What is justice? I I think if I had to answer, which it appears you I do. You do have to. <laughs> it's my show. It is. Uh, <laughs> I think justice is a proportionate and equitable distribution of debt. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Good is in the Details, and this is part two, where Rudy and I are interviewing Jeff Cortezzi. Now, if you haven't listened to part one, stop what you're doing right now. You have to listen to part one. It's all good stuff. This episode, we're going to get into conspiracy theories, and we're going to talk a bit about travel. There's just lots to enjoy. So here's the interview. Could you define what is a conspiracy theory, not a conspiracy? Because, oh. Rudy, what is a conspiracy? Conspiracy is an actual crime. <laughs> it's where two people agree to commit a crime, right? The agreement, the agreement to commit an actual crime, and then they have some kind of overt act towards that crime. So that's a conspiracy. You could be charged with it. You don't actually have to go through and commit the entire crime. It's the agreement itself that you can get prosecuted for. Okay, kids. So, just to be clear. That's a conspiracy. Now, what is a conspiracy theory? Let me back up. Yes. How do you know if you're stuck in one? Because we went from confirmation bias, but I think that there's a realm of not knowing if you're stuck in a conspiracy theory. What Let's give mean? an example of a conspiracy theory. Yeah. Okay, very here, 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 here's one. Well, there's Flat Earth, um, an old school one. If you liked the film JFK by the great Oliver Stone, the conspiracy theory was there was more than one gunman that killed John F. Kennedy, and there was a big government... Uh, cover up. Either the CIA did it or the mafia did it, but there's no way that Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone gunman. That's a conspiracy theory. Okay, that's an example. If it's okay. old, because I'm an old guy, but there's there's one. Okay, so I think a, a conspiracy theory. It, how would I know if I'm stuck in one? Is I guess if my understanding of an, of an event conflicts with the generally accepted explanation of what had occurred. So okay. if, if my belief conflicts with the generally accepted explanation then you're falling in the conspiracy theory realm yeah that's probably that's probably right it, i think because of the internet it's hard to know because you'll think that everybody agrees with you because you'll only read weird stuff on the internet that that's where confirmation bias comes into it, it these conspiracy theories really only grow because you talk to another person who who thinks that yeah no no that's be nobody landed on the moon that's crazy here look at all these photos and things that prove that it was in some movie studio in washington dc not landing on the moon is an actual conspiracy theory. That's a very, very, very popular one. Okay. It's difficult, and it does play into confirmation bias because I do think it takes more than more than a couple people agreeing on a on let's just be honest a crazy thought to get it some steam underneath it. I think it also allows somebody to have this pseudo expertise. Because they know more than the government and what everybody. Oh, everybody else loves knows. a secret. Everyone loves yeah. me on the inside. And if I'm on the inside and I have this theory and nobody else... Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I think that, that could definitely play into it. And I'm sure you, the FBI itself has to deal with a lot of crap like that. I mean, they had just so many theories of all the... F- you have no idea. Terrible things or <laughs> that you guys were... It, it just, it's crazy. I mean, it must waste time and resources. <clears throat> what is incredibly problematic about conspiracy theories is there is an element of truth in terms of... In government conspiracies, you know, I'm not big on putting limitations on the government or anyone. I'd like to believe that our government has a certain limitation as to what it's willing to do. I'm also not stupid enough to think that anything is really impossible, mm-hmm. per se, right? I'm sure there are exceptions, so I'll put that qualifier in there. My, my point is, is uh, you know, conspiracy theories exist and gain traction because there's been events that have 
shown a capacity or an ability to do things that aren't okay, mm -hmm. to be deceptive. And those moments of deception feed future conspiracy theories. Yeah, okay. You know, there was a great, there's a podcast called Our Fake History, and he did a three-part series on why would uh, somebody fake the moon landing or why would somebody believe that? And that's actually what I, th I believe is a historian or a law professor who does the Our Fake History. But that's precisely what he was saying was that it was because of the moon landing was happening at the same time where people were starting to lose faith in the government that it, because of that historical context that it allowed for that to to flourish. And one of the you know precursors to that was the murder of JFK. That like that was yeah. one. Of, well, that was one of them. But too. what else was going on at that time? We were in a huge anti-communist era. Right. That's right. Mm -hmm. And we were. Or who were we racing? Mm -hmm. The Russians. Right. How do you get goodwill and, and flag wavers back in your own country? You beat the communists mm -hmm. at that one thing. I mean, there. yeah, I mean, there are a lot of great explanations as to why they could have or why they would have had been justified in or thought they could have been justified in faking it. Mm -hmm. And the story is with the story. Then, So, you know, it's it. And they've lied. You know, lies have happened. Deception has happened from our government. Not every conspiracy Ends as a conspiracy. Some, not some, every conspiracy theory. theory sorry, sorry. Me. The lawyer here. I, <laughs> yeah. I have to. I'm sorry. It's my job. I don't have a lot of them, but that's one of them. You know, I mean, Jeffrey Epstein's a great example of. I was gonna bring. I was gonna bring it up. I was gonna bring it up. I was gonna ask. I was like, is that a conspiracy theory or is that like a come on? It's that... a tough one. One of the tweets I had as well is. <laughs> Was it's going to get harder to call this a conspiracy theory after he died. It's going yeah, to be hard I, to call it a conspiracy I remember theory. you wrote that. And that, you know, ruffled a few feathers. And wait, understandably. Wait, I'm sorry. So before before he committed suicide, you wrote something saying it'll uh, be. No, excuse me. Alleged, allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly committed suicide. Sorry, I had to correct you, know you that. It reminded me of, do you mind? Well, do you remember that guy, the creepy guy who kept um, three women in the basement of his house yeah, in Ohio? Cleveland and guy. Then, Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. And he committed suicide. And I'm like, I doesn't surprise Like, I, I'm wondering if they just allow, like, just. I, I don't know. Yeah, just, did he kill himself? Did they just not pay attention and I let him kill pay, himself? Yeah, there was a part of me that was like... That would be an easy conversation to have with a correction, a father, you know, yeah. uh, who's responsible for checking in on him. Yeah, you know, maybe just don't... I'm just We're not going to go gonna by his cell for a well, while. That's, right. So when the Jeffrey Epstein thing happened, I was reminded of that immediately, and I was thinking I, they just kind of stepped back. But it sounds like that it may have just been an epic failure on different levels that all came together that seemed suspicious, but it's not the first time where different checks and balances have just all failed or no. I mean, the, the, fa the, the facts of this case are pretty egregious. There's a reason so many people talk about this guy, this case, the outcome. So the allegations, I won't even say allegations because he was convicted for his That's pedophilia. Right. Yeah. So, right. But the new allegations, we'll say, of his continued activity fall within certain parameters that would consider him a high threat for suicide. You know, extremely wealthy, his future. I mean, he was on everybody's mind. The, the, the country was paying attention, which is a big deal when it comes to prosecution time. You know that prosecutorial discretion? There were concerns about the, the first trial or first run at him. They're going to have a lot of pressure to lay the hammer on him and really, really not give him a sweetheart deal. Uh, so he was looking at some serious time. The rest of his life. 
he would yeah. have been in jail for the rest of his life. And a guy who's lived like he has, had the money he had, uh, with the crimes he's committed going into prison where those are not very welcome, sex crimes in general. Then you add the kids. A lot of those inmates have kids. They're not real welcoming of that type of behavior. His life was destined for discomfort mm-hmm. in a way that would have made him, you know, a, a viable suicide candidate. So you have that element of it. Right out of the gates, he is, I think, a, a good candidate for suicide. Anything that, the, the the problem, everybody said when he was arrested, better keep an eye on him. He's going to quote unquote commit suicide. You know, they didn't, they believed somebody was going to take him out. This guy has information, allegedly, of some pretty powerful people. So when the whole country is saying he's going to kill himself, quote unquote kill himself, and then it happens, oh man. I mean, that is just, then on top of it, you see that the guards weren't doing their rounds. Oh, and the guards that were there weren't the regular guards, right? And then, they, and then the video somehow The video disappears, right? right? And now I get the, vi- from a corruption standpoint. Sure. Complacency. Now, they haven't had a suicide in, in that facility since, I believe, the 80s. So you could very reasonably develop a certain level of complacency. Okay. That leads you to believe... It's never happened. He's a high risk, but it's not happening. We've had other high risk people in here. It's just not, we're fine. You know, you get that, everything's, we don't really have to do our job that closely. They don't do their job. He dies. And what's the first thing that I would, could see somebody in that position doing is getting rid of the tape. Mm-hmm. Because if they're going all in on a lie and they've already doctored the, the rounds, right? They said they did the rounds, even though we found out they didn't. So if they're going to doctor the, the paper document, yeah, it's just one next you got to get rid of the tape. This is the most important guy in the world like everyone's eyes are on this uh so i could see that being the the natural next step it's one of those scenarios do i think somebody walked in there and hillary clinton (laughs) (laughs) her her hands aren't big enough for that okay so we cleared it okay there we go it's perfect that was was, was excellent see not only did we discuss what a conspiracy is we actually went deep into a conspiracy theory and then really took it to another level by that excellent question okay. that, that you took it Thank to. You. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, you know, but is it possible that somebody was asked to, to look the other way? Yeah, possibility number one. Is it possible he did it to himself? Yep, possibility sure. number two. Uh, is it possible somebody went in there? I, I got, I'm not going to take anything off the table, particularly with these new autopsy discussions and this and that. Are we ever going to know? No. Probably, probably not. No, no, definitely not. Probably not. But what I do have faith in is that the FBI is vigorously doing what they can to get to the bottom of that and everything else related to Jeffrey Epstein. Huge hit, I think, in him being killed, obviously. Less about his structure and inner circle, more to do with the Johns. Absent video and all that other stuff. How did you get started on Nancy Grace? I did a uh, Newsmax TV spot on... I don't know if it was Jeffrey Epstein or, oh, the Chicago. Yeah, it was, what's his name? Jesse, uh, Jesse Smollett. Yeah, that's what it was. It might have been that. And then somebody reached out to John Cardillo, who's the, the host, and he recommended me. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, okay, so I just want to talk about the, the one one of the oh, cases. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. so, <laughs> Because you had posted that this was one of the toughest things for you to be Sure. To be a part of or to be an analyst for, to be a voice for. You were talking about a case. Um, I think we can, instead of going into the whole, the whole uh, case, uh, the gist of it is is that a man most likely murdered his wife. Um, when he is with their two sons, he murders them and himself, sets his house on fire. Now, apart from the legality of it or the law enforcement side, that this case really bothered you. 
And what I want to know, does it have to do with being a father or does it have to do with being frustrated with the the collapse of the law enforcement system at that point? Why that one? Like, there's lots of gruesome stuff, but that one seemed to hit you. Yeah, there are the, really are a lot of gruesome moments out there, and they're never easy when they involve kids. I think it is far more impactful when it's involving kids. It's really both. It's the letdown of the law enforcement community not being able to close the door on this, not being able to put this guy in jail before this tragedy could occur. But it becomes more personal when you know there are kids involved because of my own kids, right? Mm -hmm. You see your own kids and the, the mortality of and, and the innocence and the dependence they have on me as their father to protect them. Uh, so to see a moment where, you know, this guy whose responsibility is to protect and guide his boys and teach him how to become men, can, how he can do this uh, right. was so significant, so impactful. And I, as frustrated as I am that law enforcement wasn't able to close the door on it, there's no doubt in my mind that anybody who was touching that case was crushed by by the outcome of this and he, he rethought everything that they've done and tried to th see if there was a better way they could have done it to have saved these boys' lives. And it they're was, probably sick to themselves right now. I mean, I, 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 I feel... Sanitizing the way I really think they would feel yeah, just I, for the sake of this conversation. But for yeah, sure. they, they probably, many of them probably lost it. So do you see other ways from when, let's say, from when you started in the FBI to now being a father of five, the way in which being a father of five has colored the way you see the world and law enforcement, how does that impact the way that you analyze things? Uh, it probably pulls me a little bit closer to home, knowing you know that what I have at home is what is unequivocally the most important things in my life, my wife, my kids. Knowing how ugly the world is and trying to protect them from it makes parenting a bit of a challenge at times, right? You're aware of some of the ugliness out there and knowing when to feed that information to your kids and how to feed it to them without taking their innocence away, right? It makes you rethink everything. When you have kids in law enforcement, and every law enforcement professional that I know runs into this similar, we see you know horrific things at times. Mm -hmm. And you want to protect your family, so you have to share... The potential for you know encounters with bad people you have to prepare them for that without totally desensitizing them from the horrors and, and exposing them to some of the, the ugliness that becomes a, a a bit of a challenge it's hard law enforcement professionals who have kids are pretty gun shy to the world in ways that other people might not be okay if that makes sense it does i was just thinking about how difficult that is that balance because you do want to prepare your children right you do want them to be safe yet you don't want to ruin their you don't want to ruin that the very little time in their life where they could still actually enjoy and be happy to just you know not knowing about how terrible the world right is. you know your wife you come home from you know work and yeah absolutely you have to prepare them but you know you come home and my wife tells me you took the kids to the park and i can think of oh my gosh i can think of how many instances where i've worked a, a case that or help facilitated a case where some kid was taken from a park with their mom there i mean those are the immediately where my head and law enforcement guys they go back to those moments and you have to temper that because there's that's not a healthy way to engage your kids and or to enjoy life your happens. Own life. Enjoy your own life. Life happens. Ultimately, you have to get to that concession that life happens. You do the best that you can. You prepare within reason and without way overdoing it. See when I bring easier said than done. See when I bring my when, when I bring go. my when I bring my work home when with me. When I get me, on the train, 
No. When I bring my work home <laughs> with I me, it's it's very easy to, to do so because it, it helps me put my kids to sleep because all I do is read them municipal bond documents. And like, so bringing my work home is way different than bringing your work home, right. brother. I mean, it's it's night and day, you know? I got to prepare my kids for how boring the world could hey, be. Listen, 5% of the FBI <laughs> is what you see on TV. 5%. 95% is just like reading muni bonds. <laughs> I know. I've heard that from other people. That 5% is so much fun that it's totally worth the other 95% to get there. Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, the rest of it's muni bond. Yeah, the rest there. of it's a bunch of statutes <clears throat> and boring yeah. stuff. So I have to ask a philosophical question. Here we go. Here, and by the way, I already know the answer. There isn't one. No. It's okay. It's all right. I already, I, there, the answer to the question, I already know the answer, but go ahead. It's like Jeopardy. I already know the answer. No. And I will tell you why. <laughs> she lets me just get underneath there. It's so easy. It's so easy. Well, I want to ask what is justice? So I have a lot of political philosophy students or well, maybe not a, a humble few who might be listening to this. But that is a very big question. And in honor of Martin Luther King, one of the things that he, one way he described a just law was saneness made legal. I want, before he even opens his mouth, I want to remind Jeff that you have an excellent answer to this question. Okay, <laughs> remember, remember that excellent answer. Well, can we just say, take your word for it? And move on. No. If you say, <laughs> all right, if you say there are no answers, here's the problem. No, Jeff, Jeff has an answer. I'm serious. I'm not kidding. You would this. have to if you want to say there is such a thing as justice. Now, justice obviously doesn't occupy space the same way this table does. So. You know, if we were to say if this table is here or not, uh, we can all oh validate God, that I'm just gonna, through the five senses. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go jump off the table. But if you want to say, <laughs> go jump. <laughs> the table's here. It's right here. I'm okay, putting my hands right. on it. But if you want to say there's such a thing as justice, then it doesn't occupy space. So we would have to have a discussion about it. Now, we can have disagreements about it and work around that definition. And that's constantly something that's evolving. But if you say uh, there is no answer, then we would have to say there is no there is no thing as justice. There is and an do answer. Do you want to go there? No, there is an answer. And Jeff actually has the answer. <laughs> and we didn't prepare this before. I just, he he told me what justice was today. Oh, Yeah. Uh oh, he wow. he does not look like. I don't remember that. I'm not gonna lie. No, I'm kidding. What a safe answer. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. But this is a lot of pressure. For I mean, I'm just a lowly law enforcement guy. Law this, you enforcement, know, philosopher, attorney. Educate us. I mean, you guys should be telling me. What is justice? I I think if I had to answer, which it appears you I do, do have to. <laughs> it's my show. It is. Uh, I think justice is a proportionate. An equitable distribution of debt. It is... That's good. It should be, I guess... I think it should be a consequence. Justice should... Well, this is going to sound cheesy. But a consequence of love That's versus... That's not cheesy at all. As opposed to revenge, right? I think some people view justice as an act of revenge and formulate it around that. And I don't, I don't see that. I see it as, you know, justice should be a facilitator to contrition and reform. Mm-hmm. In the law enforcement context, anyway, uh, it, justice should give the ability of somebody to change their life, facilitate that process, yeah, right? Right, because there are a lot of elements that come into play, of course. a lot of factors, and this is a perfect world stuff. This right. is ideal world stuff. Sure. This is what justice, I think, humanity uh, disrupts that perfection, so we mess up mm-hmm. a lot of times. That's why we have 
reforms that sometimes need to be put in place. Sometimes they don't, and they're put in place anyway. I mean, I think that's it's a constant work. But at the end of the day, in its purest form for me, I think it should be something that is an act of facilitation toward that re- contrition first and then rehabilitation, helping somebody achieve that place where they can pay their debt to the government, to society, whatever it may be, find a new way of thinking, develop a, a new way of viewing right and wrong and, and the choices that they want to make. But it should not, in my opinion, justice should not be that act of revenge, which oftentimes people are very comfortable with, is the idea that we should, that it's just the debt. It's just the debt like they owe us. Tarantino's Kill Bill or Count of Monte Cristo. Those are revenge tales. Yeah. Uh, they, but you're right. They leave out the, <laughs> they're perfect revenge tales, actually. Yep. I think that they are. But you're right. If they, we were to encompass justice in that way, then it seems like we're missing something. We're missing something. And and we I think we fall into that based on our humanity, I think, at times, based on our limited resources. It takes a lot of resources to be able to to execute this in a humane and appropriate way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, don't be confused by the fact that I'm using words like love and humane and everything else. These, you know, if, if somebody is in there and deserves to be in there, you know, I'm not talking about uh, making it too comfortable. You know, I mean, I'm talking oh, about yeah. a con- I'm not talking about life in prison. I'm talking about just the concept of justice being a facilitator for that ultimate reform. Right. And not just a straight up payment of debt, although that's obviously part of it. Well, in honor of Martin Luther King, I mean, he would uh, associate love and justice, but he was also very clear in terms of his definition of love, that it wasn't everybody, you know, holding hands in a kumbaya type thing. It was um, it was a respect for somebody else's humanity and your own. That was part of it. Yeah. So I have a couple of love definitions, if I could throw. You have love definitions. He's a lover. He's a lover. He's a lover. And, <laughs> He's a lover. <laughs> I do. Okay. And I'm not going to look at Rudy when I say it. No, no. <laughs> Make things weirder, weirder than they already are. Okay. I think uh, so. Love uh, along those same lines is the conscious decision to serve somebody else at the expense of yourself. It's okay. that service to the other person, regardless of what impact it has adversely on me. But it's also the ability to s- tell somebody when they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? We could use Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson, Prince, only because they're high-profile names. I think people understand that the, the tragedy of their deaths and everything else, right? I don't know for sure, but I can theorize. They were surrounded by a lot of people that didn't love them, right? Because some I see what you mean. Right? Yeah. They, they, 100%. If they could only had, if they only had somebody that loved them enough to tell them to stop. Right. Or that they're wrong. It's okay to tell somebody they're wrong. I can disagree with Rudy on matters uh, of moral whatever. I could say, you know what? I disagree. I think this is wrong. Shame on me if I don't. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's that love that allows somebody to tell somebody when they're wrong, I think. And I think we make the mistake of believing that loving somebody is accepting everything that they do. Amen. Amen. That's Amen. great. No, it is great. It really, really is. And that ties right into what he was saying about justice can is actually coming at it from some uh, from a way of love because mm-hmm. in that instant you are you know making that change yes. and you're telling somebody what you did was wrong. Right. I think that was one of the, where you don't degrade your own humanity or the other person's. That that's important. How about you, Rudy? What is justice? I didn't really understand what justice. I had taken the revenge. The revenge. Wait, what law school did you go to? Georgetown. <laughs> Georgetown University. Do they still have a law school? Yeah, they do. Uh, I got to admit, I was approaching "quote unquote" justice from the the revenge aspect of it, mm-hmm. and, and I'm 
I'm not getting into religion in any way, shape, or form, but you got to understand Middle Eastern culture. Middle Eastern culture, whether you're whether you're Muslim, whether you're Jewish, whether you're uh, Christian, the culture of the Middle East is one that's based upon revenge. Okay, it always is. I mean, it, it just it it is. It is something that's a big part of well, you did you did you you stubbed your toe. You stubbed your toe. God is punishing you. Or oh, thing ha- bad happened to them. It's because this happened, and it's a it's ingrained in you that mm-hmm. it's it's always revenge, revenge, or something, or if something somebody did something wrong to you, either you're gonna get them back or God's gonna get them back. It's just it's the way that we're ingrained. So my view of justice was probably solely focused on revenge, mm-hmm. and that wasn't the right thing. So when I w- was saying to Jeff that he really had the answer for justice today is because he did open my eyes. I never even thought about it that way. But I have to agree 100% with him now that I believe that is justice. That's probably the best way I've ever heard of justice be described before. Yeah. Wow. That's, wow. I, wow. His, You're his, welcome. His wow is. <laughs> You're welcome. His wow is my thank you. <laughs> You're right. His wow is, is, your, is your thank you. I just want to qualify that, that I could be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> About my nope. Could be wrong. You're not, my friend. You are no, not. No, it's you are a great. Not. It's a great definition. There's um, there's a book from the political philosopher called The Theory of Justice and Rawls. Oh my God, I was going to blink on his name. Okay, but there was an interesting way to. He came up with this idea of a veil of ignorance. And any academics listening, just let me water this down. <laughs> um, but let's just imagine that the three of us were going to create a perfect society and we can you know start from scratch and in this room we're going to write down all of the rules of what the perfect society is and then when we walk out the door we're going to live in it we're going to be in it here is the catch when we walk through the door we will not know which body what body we're born into you will not know if you're a male or female able have a disability you won't know any of those things your ethnicity so how would that impact the way in which you write the laws here for the society in which you would live once you walk through that door? Wow. That, that would be fascinating. It's kind of an interesting thought experiment. It is. It is. My, my head would explode even trying to even, <laughs> even attempt in that. I'm, I'm not even smart enough to even think about that type of stuff. But part of it is, you know, this idea of the distribution and love, because you would start thinking in terms of what would be proportionate. I think that's one of the words yeah. that you used, because if you knew when you walked on the other side of the door that you might be, uh, you know, you might be in a wheelchair when you live in that society. So that would impact the way in which you would write the laws. I see what you're saying. Yeah. You might be ladies. Well, you know, I could be a dude. It um, it, it, tie, it, tie, it ties into transportation in my recent oh article my on Forbes.com because what I'm concerned about is this is, that local locomotive locomotive written all over. I just it. want I, I just yeah. want people. I just want everybody to be able to access mobility is freedom. So if you're in a wheelchair or if you're senior yeah. or if you're if you're a mother oh, carrying around four or five kids, you should be able to get public transit and you should be yeah. able to be mobile whether that's through a car or something. So I hear you. I get it. I just needed to tie it to public transportation because that's perfect. what I do. It's perfect. Okay, let's get to Jeff's travel guide. Now, the travel guide, it feels like uh, when you read it, like Jason Bourne is kind of whispering in, in your ear. <laughs> I'm going to read it with my eyes closed. Wait, how do I do that? I'm going to get no, it on audio now. No, it's, it's, re- it's really great. The travel guide, it's, so wait, just to restate the, it's called the Smart and Simple Travel Guide. Um, a lot of safety tips in there. You have a section about how to be careful about food, um, how to be nice aware well. of spaces. Let's just say 
you've obviously traveled a lot. Were there a couple instances or travel instances that you went through that really inspired what you wrote for the travel guide in terms of safety? Sure. I, I think uh, everything in there, in one degree or another, with the exception of the passport uh, notes, those are based off of experiences that others have encountered and things that were trained in uh-huh. the Bureau to, to be prepared for. I think, uh, let me say, you know, a lot of the frauds in Eastern Europe, okay. and even Western Europe, you could see them. You, you watch it happen, happening. And, and I've been, I used to travel to Budapest quite frequently, uh, Asia, Africa, and, and teach these public corruption courses to law enforcement professionals. So I spent a lot of time there. And you can watch some of these things playing out. And it's really hard. You almost, you know, it's, you, you kind of want to go up to people and wear a sign, you know, watch out for so-and-so. They're working the, they're working the, the square right now. But everything in there, particularly the fraud, like I said, those are very common, particularly with people, men traveling alone. You know, they, they send the women after you to act like they don't know where they're where they're going. And so, of course, who you can ask but the tourist who only speaks English. Right. I mean, it, it, some of it is so obvious, but we refuse to see it. You know, one of the thing, points I make in, in the book and I've, I've done a few classes on these international training, I, I let people know. I'm like, hey, if you're a six out of 10 in the U.S., you're a six out of 10 in Budapest. You don't get any better looking when you travel overseas. Right. So if somebody comes up to you who's out of your league, there's a reason they're coming up to you. And it's. <laughs> You know. Oh my God! I mean, it's That's, hard because I'm, I'm looking ten, at you, Rudy. I'm a ten, I'm a ten out of ten. I don't know why you're looking at me. Okay, I've, I've been. See, this is why I've been that working out. This is book. why. That's this hilarious. is why I'm. This is why I'm going to the personal trainer. Oh my it's God! Because he was looking at me. Oh my God! Did we just hilarious. get too candid? We just got too. I candid. just because really my legs are too skinny. That's why, isn't it? That's why. Well, one of the one of the things as far as safety precautions you point out is know where the U.S. Embassy is wherever you're traveling. Yep. Um, now, in terms of uh, social media, I think that you also wrote something about be careful about posting when you're traveling abroad, which I thought was interesting because you put the location tags and when it's in real time, you're essentially alerting everybody that you're out of town, that your house is open. Absolutely. There are a number of reasons why not to do it. One of which is telling those domestically in the U.S. that you're out of town. And I see it all the time. Oh, we're in Paris. We're here. We're there. And we're like, oh, that's great. Thanks for letting everyone know that your house is wide open and you're not coming home for a week. So I can spend the next week rooting around in your closets, right? I mean, that stuff happens. Uh, The other is uh, when you're overseas, uh, the, the folks out there, there are people who scour the internet. They're looking for vulnerable targets. They're looking for good targets. They're going to do hashtag Barcelona searches Mm -hmm. and see who's out there and see if there's somebody on Instagram that's laying out precisely where they're going. Right. And then you you can work their way back to their hotel room and you can know what their hotel is. I mean, it's just, it creates a lot of vulnerabilities. I live, you know, several hours from here. Uh, We were at breakfast this morning and what happened at breakfast this morning? Sure enough, Somebody who I see exclusively on social media was sitting with his back to me and I recognized him as a friend of mine's husband. Oh. You put your face out there. You put the pictures out there. You're going to be easy to pick up. You're going to be easy to find. And once that happens and now Mr. Bad Guy in Barcelona or wherever can learn a lot about you online, enough uh-huh. to be able to exploit whether financially or, or otherwise. So, okay, so would the lesson be when you're traveling, take the photos, but then post them when you get home? Wait till you get home. Okay. All right, know where the U.S. Definitely. Embassy is. What was another Plan thing? Plan ahead of time. Times? Yeah. Know where you're going. And not just the restaurants, the bars, and the, you know, the sites. I mean, learn a little bit about what type of crime 
takes place here. Learn a little bit about natural disasters and the time of year you're going. What's the weather going to be like? Learn a little bit about the culture. Do they have a law enforcement corruption problem? Mm-hmm. Do the bars and restaurants I'm going to, do they have anything on TripAdvisor that suggests that there's some criminal activity that may go on here? They're fraudsters. They make homes in specific bars. What, what I like is... Um do a really quick search on offensive finger gestures. Oh, right? Because <laughs> yeah. right? yep. it not what what one thing means in one country means something Might mean different. Something else somewhere else. Not, and you yeah. could who knows what kind of trouble you can be doing yourself, yeah. especially somebody like me. I talk with my hands. I'm a crazy person, yep. so you got to be very careful. Flashing that. money, don't flash money. Right. Uh, look the part. Don't dress flashy. Don't dress uh, wealthy. You know, look. Try to blend in. You know. We were uh, this again something that Rudy and I were talking about recently was you know what these foreign nefarious folks are looking for what nefarious people in general domestically and abroad is easy targets. I'm looking for an easy way in and easy way out. I'm looking for a target of somebody who doesn't know I'm coming, uh, mm-hmm. vulnerable, alone, maybe, but unaware. Got the book. They're always heads in their phone. They're always looking in the travel book. They look lost. Keeping your wits about you, knowing when to pull the map out, you know, understanding where your hotel is in relation to specific landmarks. God forbid if you have a tough time getting back, keep the hotel business card in your pocket. You can mm-hmm. always show that to a cab driver or an Uber driver if you don't know exactly where you're going. But copies of your passport. You know, copies you, of everything. You want to keep copy, but make sure that they're secure, right? Because, you, you know, you get mugged, you know, you got to, but you do need copies on stuff. Yep. Email them to yourself. Yep. In a secure email, just in case you lose your passport. The big vulnerability is the absence of preparation. People just not understanding. We become very complacent. Traveling is super easy. International travel is super easy. And so we take for granted the fact that if you've never had a fever at 2 o'clock in the morning in Thailand, then you have no idea how hard it is to find a pharmacy and then identify the medicine you need. So just plan for it because it's one of these trips it's going to happen. Have some cold medicine, have the Purell, have the the wipes, have the anything that you might possibly need from a pharmacy in terms of a quick, you know, medicine. Mm-hmm. Just bring it with you. It's simple. Band-aids, small band-aids, small bandages. Okay. That brings me to. Does, does you bringing up your travel tips? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't mean to brag, but. Oh, it's I okay. Also Apparently there's travel. been, a, there's been <laughs> a lot of bragging on this show. I'm bragging that I'm a six. It's awesome. I was generous. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go to the gym tomorrow. Son of a... Um, yeah, so, I mean, I wrote this book. It's called Tips from the Professor. <laughs> and there's a chapter in there on studying abroad. And it's available on Amazon. Okay, so we need to see if some of these travel tips for studying abroad are FBI approved. Yes. Uh, research the customs and habits of the country you are visiting. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So this might be different. So I published this in 2012. This mm-hmm. might not actually be the same thing that you're talking about with the passports. Make a copy of the identifying page at the front of your passport. Scan it. See, this is old. And keep it as a file in the cloud. If your passport is lost or stolen, then you can print the copy for a U.S. embassy. This will ease some of the stress of having lost your passport. I put just the first page. I think you said every page. I would. I mean, just for simplicity's sake and, and, and completeness. Yeah. It helps expedite knowing that they've got a complete front to back. If you're going to do one, you might as well do all the pages. Okay. Yeah. So also it says FBI approved. Learning to say please and thank you in the country's language is absolutely essential. I, I think it's something people should learn how to do in, in their own language as well. <laughs> uh, That's true. I'm trying we to should, we should hear children. a lot more please and thank you from people. <laughs> but absolutely. Yeah. Knowing uh, a few catchphrases, uh, maybe even finding that right app. Mm-hmm. So you can bring along with you if you if you need a little 
more enhanced translation. So this also shows, because I obviously wrote this before Instagram took off, purchase a journal for your trip, write down everything, keep receipts and her business cards of restaurants you enjoyed. You may want to return there someday or recommend a place to a friend. Did somebody, did the person that invented Yelp, did they steal this from your book? Because that's, <laughs> I think you basically did that. You know, there's a book um, that's called Alone Together by Sherry Turkle, and she opens up the book. It's about technology and how it's distanced us. And she talks about going to Paris with her 16-year-old daughter. And her 16-year-old daughter is taking photos of everything and then posting them on social media, sending them to friends. And she's saying when she was younger, part of the point of being away was that you were disconnected. And so I can see this idea of if you were to just maybe not post and just sit down at a cafe and write about your own experience what do the people around you look like what does the food taste like that you might really enjoy the trip in a way in the fact that you're not letting everyone at home know what you're doing i got a great business idea what if okay. what if we tell the world that the, while they're overseas they can write me a letter so it'd be like i'll be their personal pen pal about their experiences it'd be called dear rudy <laughs> Let's do so this it. way they're in the moment they can tell you all about the public transportation that's the, that's what i want to hear about the metro in paris <laughs> stinks <laughs> as does bart as does bart oh yes oh Literally. my god like i just remember because i lived in belgium for a while and i just remember i i enjoyed public transportation but toward the end of living there i just remember i can't wait to not smell urine anymore yeah. yes <laughs> Okay, well, was, you're about to have a baby, so that was, that's going to yeah, change. It's so, I mean, you have no, you have no idea. Okay, all right. So, um, yes, approved, approved. So, uh, this is actually kind of what you already said. Uh, keep tissue and Purell in your purse, trust me. I agree. Or your purse, your man purse, whatever it is that you dudes have. Okay. Yeah, Pack I mean, it's not a bad idea to, to thoroughly wipe down a room before you <laughs> settle in. Well, I'm just thinking about anywhere, like, I, I mean, I just know... You just don't know when you need to use the oh, sure. bathroom. And also, hey, this isn't in here, but you should know what bathrooms, what they're called. And right? whether or not it costs money to get toilet paper. Oh, that's right. Not. That's right. Oh, my God. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. There's places. I think it was in Belgium where you use the use the there bathroom of, and yeah. then they charge you. They want money when you come out. And, yep. Oh, I forgot about that. In Arabic, the word for bathroom is very close to the word for pigeon. So just make sure that you're actually saying it correctly. Because yeah, you, you, could, you could be asking for a pigeon, and that would not be <laughs> yeah, appropriate. You want to be careful. If you, yeah, so just make sure you practice. Yeah, that would be practice. embarrassing. Yes. Okay, this might be, hey, this might be part of your idea. Bring addresses of close friends and family members for sending postcards. Yes, yes. Now, I know that you know people don't really write or use the post anymore but there is something very sweet about getting a postcard or sending them off i know it's old school just just trust me yeah i think that's a good one telephone numbers also yeah. super important to have written down you can't assume that your phone natural disaster any number of things could occur you could lose your phone have an important number or two back in the states that number written down we don't memorize numbers like we used to not at so, all. Yeah, so it's a good idea to write, have a separate place for those in case you need to make a call. Jason Bourne, did I not say? Okay. Last one. <laughs> call your bank and credit card company to let them know you will be yeah. using your cards outside of the country if there's any fees. Yeah. Yeah, not just fees, but so it doesn't inconveniently get declined, do, you know, because they'll do that. If, if they're worried that the card has been stolen, they'll just might cut it off. Yeah. They might just cut it's it happen, off. So it's to me. you do not want to be in a 
precarious position when that thing gets cut off because it might take you a couple days or a day to get it fixed. Okay, so um, I'll wrap this up with when you were traveling, do you have a favorite place? I love Budapest. Okay. Budapest is for, you know, and I mean no disrespect. <laughs> Hopefully it's not taken that way. It's a poor man's Vienna. Okay. It's it's artistic. It's historic. I love, I mean, I just I loved it. I think it's a really up and coming place. One of my favorite cities. Great restaurants. I'm totally on board with your idea of writing down restaurants that you might want to go back to. I had plenty that I would go back to all the time. Loved Budapest. When you would travel in terms of airport security, well, I remember I went I went to Israel and I remember that was that was a whole new thing yeah. in terms of airport security. It, and that really, I mean, it was at least five times that I was stopped to have, that was part of the, the line, stopped to check my passport and look at everything. Yep. And I had heard that it would take a long time to get through security. So you know when you normally put your bag through the x-ray, then after that they tell you to have a seat and you sit there and watch them take everything out of your bag and then put it back. And then Definitely put it back don't in. travel with anything embarrassing. Yes, I, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good tip. It's a good tip. So I, that to me, I'd heard about it. So I was prepared for, you know, in terms of travel time to be prepared to wait at the airport mm-hmm. for a while. Is there any place where the airport security where something stood out to you of like, oh, this is new or we don't do this here or? No, I mean, I think that for me, the biggest thing that stood out that I can recall, that's not enough to raise eyebrows or anything. We see it all the time overseas. You know, you'll see more heavy firepower in airports overseas yeah. than you will domestically. I think that, to me, would be the biggest notable difference. Everything else, you know, most of the time I'm traveling on an official passport. That tended to help me out a little bit. Listen, mm-hmm. I just assume that my room is bugged. But it expedited me sometimes through the security. You know, they were very mm-hmm. nice and courteous and whatnot. Didn't want to upset the Americans. Any, but that stood out the most. Any pet peeves when you travel with other travelers, like when you're at the airport? <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> or you're on just the plane. Pe- you know, I'm pretty easy going. <laughs> I like to think of myself as pretty easy going, but I think the biggest pet peeve is anybody who is from my country that makes me look bad. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. You know the people who the are, talk to the manager type person. Oh, just you know they they take every American cultural element and they lay it onto whatever country they're on. Mm-hmm. They're in. You know, customers always right. What are you talking about? You you know you're. In, Rome, the customer's not always right. Get the hell out of here. You know? That's true. I've um, been to Rome. You know, the yeah. loud mouth. Never felt more wrong. <laughs> Rome is my other. Well, that's probably my favorite. It's my Absolutely favorite place favorite on city. earth. That's my favorite yeah. place. Besides Vegas. It's Rome and Rome Vegas. Rome is my favorite. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, just the, the, the loud, ugly American. I know that's kind of a general thing, but people you know, know what, it when they see it. In all, in all fairness, one of the surprises to me from living in Western Europe and was that when you go to a restaurant that nobody brings you the bill until you ask for it. So I can imagine an American sitting there just fuming, where is their service? But for them, it is impolite to interrupt you while you're eating. And I love that. I, you saw me like make yeah. a gesture. I love that they do that, that yeah. you have to ask for it. Because that's what I'm there for is to enjoy like food. I'm all about the food and the experience and the yeah. camaraderie and that ex- the other thing that stood out to me, and I wish, you know, I, the, my first trips in Europe date back to the 90, early 90s, mid-90s. It blows my mind to this day that going back as that far, they bring the credit card machine to your table, and to this day, we still don't do it here. 
Uh-huh. I love that. I love that they bring the credit card machine to your table. Yeah. Nobody's walking away with my card. They're not running it through a skimmer because, you know, those are some of the things you run into here. Uh-huh. Is they take your card from the restaurant and they've got a little device and they, they run it through to pay, but then they run it through something else to record your information. Man, just bringing that device right to the table is a huge security comfort. Yeah. Knowing that your information's not stolen. My stuff got stolen overseas a lot, but I don't think it was from the restaurants. Hmm. Wow. Rudy? Anything else? Yeah, I got one other thing. Um, Trains. <laughs> if you do go out to eat with Jeff, you know you got to figure out a way to get the bill away from him. You got to use you got to use brains over brawn because Aww, he'll he'll try to pay sweet. the bill. He'll try to pay the bill because he's that he's just that great of a guy. Jeez. But I'm I'm just that shiftier. I'm just that shiftier. <laughs> you got to. I separated the receipt from the thing. That's just how good I am. That's yeah. the only thing I got because we're talking about bills and stuff. Fool me once. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. This so, is what awesome. is your what is your Twitter handle so that people can if they have yeah. any questions about this episode or if they can just follow sure. your your witty. <laughs> don't, don't forget your website name too. At JeffreyCorteze.com. J E F F. Oh no! Wait a minute. The Twitter handle is at Jeffrey Cortez, not dot com. J E F F R E Y. I'm going to confirm. C O R T E S E at Jeffrey Cortez is the Twitter. And then www.jeffcortez.com is the website. Okay, perfect. And for anybody who wants to follow me and my, my crazy musings about public transportation, it's at Sallow Rudy. Or if you want to go to the Forbes.com, just type in Rudy Sallow, and five of my articles are there talking about my passion which is not relying on a car. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, or you can tweet me at gdolsky. And to support the show, give it five stars. Five stars. Can you get six? six, It's a five-star cap. Okay, five. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's do do five. I mean, okay, or I set up a Patreon. So if you want to be a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash details. And, yeah, I think we're good. Goodbye, old Gwen. It was it was really it was really nice knowing old. you. I didn't. Uh, you always get obsessed. Didn't come out very well. She every time I say old, she always gets obsessed. Every with time I call no. you old, you get upset at me. Yeah, she does. She You're she so at me all the time. Every time I say or the best I say is, old friend or old best, Gwen. The best is when he refers to himself as old, and then in the next breath and says, "And we're the same age." Yeah. I come, <laughs> goodbye, uh, goodbye, past Gwen. Uh, we look forward to the new Gwen uh, next time. Okay. Bye.